Good to see everybody this morning. Is here to worship the Lord, and uh, we have one announcement. We had uh, scheduled a called short business meeting tonight. We're going to postpone uh, till another time, trying to get some things straightened out, and so hopefully in the future we'll be able to have that. Uh, tonight, this morning we're going to look at Matthew twenty-one six to eleven and fifteen one through twelve. As continue on uh, in this series upon awakening the church as we look at worship. So I encourage you, let's start at Matthew 21, verses 6 to 11. Uh, ask when you find that if you'll stand in God's honor. As I read aloud. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, And Jesus said on them, A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And turn me back to Matthew 15 as we want to uh, read those first 12 verses. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, Whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God, he is not to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? Let's pray. Master, thank you for allowing us, Lord, to be together today. Father, what really matters? Why are we here? What are you up to, Lord? Father, what do we need to hear? I just ask that your Holy Spirit would work among us, Lord, and that we would not leave here, Father, the same. Just speak to us, Master. In your name we pray. Amen. This is Palm Sunday. This is the Sunday where Jesus is honored and worshipped for riding in on the colt. As he rode in, people, they bowed and they put down their cloaks, their garments. Some put down the palms. What were they doing? They were making a way for the Lord to enter into their presence and to Pass by them. 
they were preparing that road. And quite honestly, as I thought about this, I thought, you know, that's exactly what happens in the church of Jesus Christ. When we come here on Sundays, we come on Sundays because this is the day that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. This is the day that the grave was proved empty and it's the day of ultimate hope. And, and, and that's why we choose this day to come. Uh, on that time though where, where they came and they put on the road those uh, cloaks and, and they put on the road those palms and they were saying basically, Lord, I, I want your way to, to, to be clear. And, and so it is with us as we come with open hearts, we need to prepare the way of our heart to say, God, we want you to be welcome in this place. We, we want you to be able to enter our lives as you choose, to speak to us as you see fit, and to change us in whatever way you want to, Lord. As a matter of fact, as, as I thought about that, reading the heart, as I, I thought about this, preparing the way for the Lord, of being able to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I thought, you know, in that time, he came as a suffering servant. And why did he come? He came because that was the only way for us to have hope. You see, trying to reach God in our own strength, it's just too weak. We're not able to do that. So God, He came in human form and He marched straight to the cross to die on our behalf. That first time He came as a suffering servant. And it says, Hosanna in the highest. But for those of us who worship the Lord Jesus Christ, we know now that history has a different theme in that He is coming again. This time, He will not come for the purpose to suffer and to pay for our sins. This time, He comes as King of kings and Lord of lords. This time, He comes to receive His rightful place. And as we worship, we, we remember that and our hearts are, are focused right there. Matter of fact, as I, as I thought about churches and as I thought about what happens, when people leave church, there's one of three messages which are proclaimed. The first message is, that was great! So, what does that mean? It, it means that you come in and, and man, you, you were stirred and you say, Wow, that was quite a performance. Wow, that was exciting. Wow, that, 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 that was what I needed. That, that's where, where, that, that was just wonderful. And whereas, here's the danger here, whereas everything we need to do is with excellence, and we need to do our best, it must always be to God. Because if we're not careful, when we get attention, we begin to see it as a performance. And so if you're a musician or, or if you're a speaker or any kind of church leader um, or if you're working in drama or any other area where you're before people, if you're not careful, someone will say, that was great. And you go, yeah, I know. It was great. And, and then everybody says, what a performance. And I need to come back. And I need to be strengthened again. And what happens? I don't know. I remember when I was a kid, I used to watch the Pink Panther. I mean, that was so long ago. Some of you guys may not even be familiar with Pink Panther. But I remember one Pink Panther. Um, you know, he, he was just weak and, and uh, he was blowing into his hand. And he'd pump back up. You know, he'd... And, you know, and it's almost like I get this picture of people say, well, you know, I, I guess the weekend I just... And I got to get built back up. Got to have another great performance. And so we leave here and we say, that was great. 
But then there's another message that people leave with. And that message is, I am great. And what happens? This is when churches become inward. It's when we begin to believe the kind of music we sing is the best kind of music. That's the kind of music that pleases God. It's it's the kind of message that happens when we say it's it's that kind of preaching, it's that kind of singing, it's those kind of programs, it's that way of serving God. That that's the way that stands out. That's the way that's above all other ways. And so what happens? We say, I am great. And and that message turns into what is legalism. In other words, what do we do? We elevate ourselves. So we feel so good about ourselves. And, and we say, you know, we're a church above all other churches. We're the place to be. Yay for Kingsway. But then there's a third kind of message. And it's the message that I believe must always be church. And it is He is great. Because, you see, He is the real audience. We come here not for a performance. We come here not to elevate our status. We come here to worship Him, Jesus Christ. We come here to to say, hey, He is Lord of Lords. He is King of Kings. And He did pay the price that no one else could pay. So that I am forgiven of my sins by trusting Him, by placing my trust completely in Him. That's where there's hope. That, that's where I know that, that I can find strength and, and, and I can find hope. And, and that's when worship occurs. <laughs> not when we say that was great. Not when we say I am great, but when we say He is great. Alright, let me move on here because as we look at these Pharisees, they were a group of people where um, their message at the end of the day was always, I am great. Uh, as a matter of fact, they were masters of the rules. <laughs> they took the Ten Commandments and they um, shortened it by adding 619 commandments. In other words, they had some way to try to measure and say, this is why I'm closer to God than you are. Because I keep these 619 commandments. I just want you to listen to a few of them. Um, like, if a hen was to lay an egg on the Sabbath, they couldn't eat that egg. Because that hen worked. And, you know, you just couldn't eat that egg. That, that you know, that wouldn't work. Um, or if a mosquito bit you on the Sabbath, you couldn't scratch it. No matter how much it ate, because that would be work. So you couldn't do that. If you looked in a mirror and you saw a gray hair, well, you couldn't look in the mirror because it'd just be too much temptation to pull that gray hair and get it out of there. You see, there are all these little rules that would somehow elevate you you know, and say, hey, I'm better than that person because I do that. So these are the, the people that, that Jesus was approaching and that He was speaking to. And let me tell you about legalism. When you start following a bunch of rigid rules, it just... It just takes the joy out of faith. It just makes it always a, a burden. It's like, oh, I have to go to church again. Or, oh, I have to serve God again. And, and oh, and, I mean, it's not meant to be like that. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's His heart. That, that there's, a, there's a joy that flows from us because Jesus is at work in us. That, that, that's His heart. 
I read about a little girl and she went to her grandparents who, and they were devout, devout, devout on the old, old ways of keeping the Sabbath. And they said to her after church, she went home and she said, now listen, honey, this is the Sabbath. Instead of running around the property, you have to walk. And you have to walk with respect. It said, you can't pick flowers on the Sabbath. You can't do that. And said, um, you have to be quiet. No, no making a lot of noise. Because this is a day of respect to God. And so uh, her grandfather fell asleep in the chair. and She asked her grandmother and got permission to walk out on the property. And so she walked over to the fence. And, and what's she going to do? She leaned up against the fence. She looked over at the old mule and the old mule his head down. Looked like he was praying. And she said, You poor old mule, do you get religion too? God forgive us. It is not about I am great. It is about He is great. And that doesn't produce a burden. It frees us. Not just to come to church, but to know who we really are. And that God loves us. And then he wants to work in us, guys. That, that, that's what he's up to. Um, listen, this is Matthew 23, verses 1 through 4. That Jesus speaking to the uh, Pharisees. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, uh, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Wow. Man, may that not be who we are here. I don't, I don't want to be... You know, being funny, you can't do that. You can't laugh. You can't, you, 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 good night. But but this is, this is the type of, of burden that was facing. And I want you to see here... Um, in the Scripture here, as Jesus addresses them, uh, well, first they speak to Him, and they say, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Notice they don't say uh, the Scriptures. Notice it doesn't say of the Lord. It says of the elders. <laughs> in other words, these, these 619 rules that were added, why don't you do that? And look what Jesus says. He shoots right back at them. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. But you say, If a man says to his father and mother, Whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God, he is not to honor his father with it. (laughs) And he says, Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. What was the problem here? The the problem was what they would do is they would take their money, they would take their savings, and, and they would they would put it aside. This is devoted to God. And so therefore, mom and dad, I know you have needs. I know you're hurting, but I can't help you. That's sacred money. And Jesus said, Man, you guys are messed up. Your parents matter. God's giving you that money and you need to help them. You need to be sensitive to them and you need to meet their needs. You don't talk about Set aside for God. Jesus knew their hearts. Matter of fact, look what He said to them. 
You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips. Their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. He, he saw their hearts. He saw right through what they were saying. And then he goes on. He makes it clear. He said, he calls a crowd. And he says, it's not what goes into a man's mouth that makes him unclean. He says, but it's what comes out of his mouth. That's what makes him unclean. And, and then the disciples came and asked him, do you know the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? Really? Because what happens when we're under conviction, when God starts dealing with us, you get uncomfortable. And, and you start squirming. And you know, as a matter of fact, that's the power of God's Spirit working through the Scriptures. God nails you. He, he speaks to you. And he, he opens up the truth. Um, Mark did a great job on Wednesday night finishing up... Uh, the study of the last week in that earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. Uh, what a blessing is as he marched through Luke 24. And uh, look forward here down the road in doing some other studies. Uh, so look forward to that for uh, after revival. But in Luke 24, uh, verse 30, talks about these Two disciples had been going down the road, and Jesus just, man, he started talking about how the scriptures always pointed to him. And what a, what a time that must have been to listen to Jesus share that. Anyway, in verse 30, it says, When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. It says, Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? You see, Jesus made the scriptures come alive. And when he did, their hearts burned within. And then this same chapter, um, you go later down uh, in verse 44, he's appeared to his disciples to the eleven. And in verse 44, he says, He said to them, This is what I told you while I was with you. Everything must be fulfilled that's written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. And, and that's still what he does. He takes the weakness of a teacher, of a preacher, and, and yet through the power of his word, uh, it, it he touches our hearts, man. He, he, he nails us and he, he deals with us right where we are. And he says, you can't stay there. I, this has to change in order to serve me and in order to walk with me. It has to change. It, it, that's what God's up to. I remember uh, years ago, I did a sermon verse by verse through the book of First John. And there was this one lady in the church where I served and... Man, she was under a lot of convictions. And she was so mad at me. And she would come to me. This happened a couple of times. After she said, you're mean. You keep preaching this. And, and, and I'm like, what in the world am I doing? And finally, I understood as I come through it. She's just under conviction. I, you know, she's like talking like you're talking right to me. And I'm like, I don't. That's God. 
He's working. I don't know what the details are in your life. I don't sit here and some of you, you know, I hope you don't think this. I get up and say, let me see what I can find out about everybody in here so I can pick me some good messages. I don't do that kind of stuff. God's Spirit, though, He knows where you are. And He hits you right where you are. And, 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 and He speaks to us. Anyway, as I came to the end of that series of messages, what clearly came to my mind is that when God starts speaking, there's one of three ways that He speaks to you. Number one, when the Word of God starts touching your heart, it confirms you. In other words, you say, man, I'm so grateful for a great Savior that has forgiven me. And and I'm so grateful for what He's doing in my life. It confirms you. Or secondly, it convicts you. Makes you uneasy. And you say, man, ooh, that kind of stings, Lord. But you know you want to change. You know you want to go God's way, even though you're not there. And the third way is it condemns you. And this is when your heart's closed. God speaks to you and He says, change, turn toward me. And you say, no. And, and, and that's a condemning. And, and that's what I believe, unfortunately, was happening in this lady's life. And, hey guys, when the church becomes awake, it's, God starts speaking through His Spirit, through, his, through the Scripture, through the words, and, and it, it hits our hearts and we realize that we need to follow Him, that we need to be changed, that, that we need to let Him work. As I close, I just want to take a couple of minutes here. Uh, let's turn to Romans. What an incredible uh, book of the Scriptures. Uh, I mean, you probably spend years. matter of fact, I think it was G. Campbell Morgan. <laughs> it took like, I may be wrong here, but it seemed like I read it. It was like 15 years to go through the book of Romans. Y'all might be like, man, time to move on, Pastor. But anyway, uh, Romans 3, a verse... Uh, Verses we often quote um, in verse 23, of course, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Notice in verses 10 through 12 too, um, as it is written, there's no one righteous, no, not even one. (laughs) There's no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They've together become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. So, right there in the Scripture, it tells us we all need a Savior. We all are messed up. We all have issues. No one is above the fray. And it says that in our own power, we can't even seek God. And as we looked at last week with the woman at the well, it says the Father is looking for worshipers who want Him, who want to know Him. God places that in the heart to seek Him, and that's His desire. That's that's what He's up to. That's that's what He's doing. Um, And and what's amazing, you you go over here, you know, walking through the Romans road. (laughs) Romans 5, verse 8. Amazing verse. It says, But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He did not wait for us to get it together. He did not wait till we became... You know, it's about me. He didn't wait for that mess. He came right with all your stuff and died for you and for me. That's the beauty of the gospel. 
That's how he, that's how he works and, 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 and what he promises uh, for us. And anyway, as I march here, he gives beautiful scriptures. And then you come to chapter 11. And Paul has been going through the great message of God's love, God's forgiveness, God's grace, how he reaches out, how, how he loves. And then he comes to the end of chapter 11 and, and he just can't stand it anymore. He just says, all right, I, I love to teach, but it's time to get in some praise. It's time to cut loose. And so here he goes. Look at this. Verse 33, he starts cutting loose. He says, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. He says, wow. God is so great. God is so awesome that there's no way we can fully understand Him. And, and he says how unsearchable his judgments. You can Google it all you want, but it's just too deep. And his paths beyond tracing out. There's no way to fully, completely have all the answers before God because he's above us and beyond us. And we are to worship him. Notice what it says in verse 34. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who's been his counselor? Oh, you know, sometimes I've tried to give God advice, but usually that doesn't work. <laughs> Why? Because He's God, right? Or He says, who has ever given to God that God should repay Him? You see, here's a newsflash. God does not need you. And God does not need me. He's God. But we need Him. See? That's, that's how it works. And, and Paul, man, he just starts... He says, God! And he's, man, he's... Wow! He's just... He's getting serious here, worshiping. And he comes through there and he says, For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. And you know, it's a shame with the chapter breaks that we have because... Um, you know, those were added later. They were not in the original Scriptures. It's just a way for us to be able to look at the Scripture in segments. But uh, none of that was before. So actually, 12 verse 1 is not different than the end of chapter 11. And he moves from praising God and talking about His greatness and how He's beyond Him <laughs> to saying, so what do I do? What do we do? He says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing God. This is your spiritual act of worship. He says, the only thing that makes any sense is to say, here I am, God. I place myself on the altar. God, I, I bow before you. And what does that mean? He comes to verse 2 and and. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. I love the Phillips where it says, do not let the world squeeze you into its mold. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, so here we go. He, he said, He is great. And, and when does that happen? It happens when we get serious about God and, and, and listening to Him and following Him and when His Word burns in our hearts to take that serious and, and let Him change us. And when we do that, our lives become worship. Not just when we're in this place, but wherever we are. 
I love Jim Elliot's words. Wherever you are, be all there. Let's pray. Lord, uh, you know the challenge, Father. We're a weak bunch. You, you've given us directions. Uh, you've told us you love us. But thank you for Calvary. Because it covers our ineptness, Lord. What we can never do, you have done. What in ourselves we can never be, you have made us. Father, I I pray as we come uh, to this time, Lord, that you would speak to hearts uh, out here, Lord, today. What are you up to, Lord? May we worship you. Father, it's not enough just to show up for a gathering. It's not just enough, Father, to go through motions of, uh, of religion. Lord, you call us to say He is great. You call us to make a path and a way that leads straight to each heart, Lord, to my heart. And uh, Father, I, I pray that you do that work in me and in those of us here. And Father, that we might really, Lord, uh, worship you. Father, uh, there's no way we could be the same with that. There's no way this community could be the same with that, Lord. We long for that, God. Father, prepare us. Uh, as we have been saying, Father, we, we can't schedule revival. We can't really plan it. But what we can do is set ourselves in the direction of you and pray that the Holy Spirit might send forth winds to move us towards you, Lord. Father, I pray this morning that may occur. With an altar that's open, some may need to come and to pray. With decisions that need to be made, Father, may they be made uh, to pray right where we are, to come before your people. If there's a need to make it public and share it, Father. Maybe it's to trust you for the first time. There have been a lot of people that know about you, but don't know you. There's a big difference, Lord. It's one thing to know of a Savior who died at Calvary. It's another thing to know He died for me. And I pray, Father, that if somebody here needs to go ahead and make sure that's taken care of, that now would be the time. Father, uh, we just want You to have Your way this morning. So we, we come to You, Lord, and we worship You. Master, be free to move. In Your name we pray. Amen.